0: Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, Worship Matters, Real Worship, presented by Pastor Alan Moss, on March 12,
1: 2017. Uh, I got some good news and bad news. The bad news is we lost an hour of sleep that not stink we had to get up a whole hour earlier it seemed like and we lose that hour and that's just horrible Uh, but the good news is i'm going to try to be really fast because i'm starving (laughs) so uh so hopefully you know we'll kind of get through it you know i'm gonna kind of set every now and then if that's okay with you guys i figure y'all are setting Uh, today we're going to we're going to kind of go along our our series of worship. And I thought it'd be cool to kind of find out what we kind of think worship is. You know, because we have this idea sometimes that it's got to be one certain thing. You know, and, and we are good at trying to put God in a box. You know, God gives us this abundance of stuff and we want to try to condense it. You know, it, it's kind of like, you know, trying to put a bowling ball in a little bitty baggie. It's just not going to fit. You know, you can't put God in a box, but we do that. And one thing we really do it with a lot is worship. You know, sometimes when you talk to people, you know, and you ask them, you know, what's worship? Oh, it's the music. And that's all that it is to them. Because we've taken what God's given us and we've tried to condense it down. And that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, we're going to be in a a, a part of the Bible. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 2, the first 10 verses, for first 11 verses. And a lot of times this this part of passage talks about service, but we're going to kind of morph it and really understand that he's talking about worship. You know, last week I I got to listen to Floyd's lesson. I was in the back having blasts blast with the kids. Uh, but I got to listen to, to Floyd's message. And one thing he said that really stuck out to me is, is worship is an activity. It's an action. You know, and then a wise man told me this morning that worship doesn't start with the head. It starts with the heart. And that's so dead on. And that's what we're going to find out today. So open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. And let's go ahead and read it, and then we're going to break it down. Verse 1 says this, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy, being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, But in lowliness of the mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only to his own interest, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equaled with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Father, we just ask you today to to be with us as we open our hearts and we try to understand what, what real worship is and that we worship you now and that it just draws us closer together as a church family and also draws us closer to you. We ask that our spirits be one in worshiping you as we study your word. We give you all the praise in your precious son's name. Amen. Well, you know, to kind of get a background on the passage that you're reading, you know, Paul has written a letter to the church at Philippi. And I think Paul has a special affection to the church because if if you remember correctly, about three years before he wrote this letter, he was actually in prison in Philippi. Uh, and it, if you go back to Acts, it'll tell you the story on how he, he and Silas got out of prison. It's a cool story. But I think sometimes, you know, he has a certain affection for this because he was in prison in this town. And and it's kind of ironic because as he's writing this letter, he's in prison there as well. See, you know, Paul's kind of an interesting story because Paul had it all. And then when he gave his life to Christ, he lost it all in our eyes. You know, he had fame, he had wealth, he had power. He had everything you could kind of think. But when he had that meeting with Christ on the road to Damascus, his life changed. And from that point on, believe it or not, Paul spent most of his life in and out of prison for his beliefs. So a lot of the letters and a lot of the books that Paul wrote, it's written while he was in prison. And this is no different. So when he writes this book, this, this letter to the church, he doesn't know if he's going to see the next day or anything. But his love and his concern is for the church at Philippi. Now let's kind of break it down because it's really kind of, of cool the way it does this and how it really relates to worship. You know, in the first part of it right there, it, you know, Paul's asking a question. He says, therefore, is if, is there if there there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love and if any fellowship of the Spirit, of any affection and mercy. Now, he's not actually doubting and saying, is that in Jesus? He's not asking that question. That's sometimes where we kind of lose it. He's actually asking the church if they believe this. He's, he, it's like, if I, if, hand me that bottle of water there, Floyd. I've got to use props today. It's like if I took this water, you can see there's water in it, and if I ask Floyd, is there water in this bottle? Now, I know there's water in this bottle, but I'm asking him if he believes that. Do you believe that? And that's what Paul is doing right here. He's asking the church, do you believe that right there, do you believe that there is consolation in Christ? Have you forgotten that? Do you believe that there's comfort in love? Do you believe there's fellowship of the Spirit? Any affection and mercy? It's almost like he's calling them out, he, but he's trying to remind them who they're following. So he's asking that question right there you know, hey, do you guys believe that? That's what he's doing. And then, and then if you go on, you know, he's talking about the church, and, and I love it how he says in verse 3, Let nothing be done through selfish, selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. See, the thing about worship, is it has to start from the heart. But there's a key word missing that it has to start with. And that's humbleness. Humility. See, without a humble heart, our worship is just acts. But we have to humble ourselves. We have to do it out of humility. Now, preparing for this lesson, it kind of, Kind of really hit me in the gut because I have a bad habit. You know, you guys know I work with the kids and I love it. But I have a really bad habit of saying that's my ministry. Oh, that's my ministry. But it's not. I am just lucky enough to serve in something I love to do. But the more I say it's my ministry, the more I put me in front of who I'm trying to worship. See, we, we shouldn't do things because it benefits us. That's where humbleness comes involved. If you worship with a humble heart and we remember who we're worshiping, it's not about us. Like that that video said, you know, we've gotten worship so much and we take things so much that it's about how we feel and we forget who we're worshiping because we're not doing it with a humble heart. You know, I realized that this week. I realized that's not my ministry. That's just the ministry I serve in. I get to serve in that. And I should do it because I love worshiping God. Talked to a 15-year-old kid this morning. Pretty wise. Pretty wise. But we were talking this morning and I said, Hey, how come you come this early in the morning and do what you do? He said, because I love to do it. I said, you don't do it because your parents make you or anything? He said, no, not really. I love to do it. I said, why? Why do you love to do it? You know, and he just kind of looked up at me and he said, because I love God. And I asked him, I said, now, are you sure that's not the Sunday school answer? Which, by the way, what a Sunday school answer is, if you've never worked back there with me, a Sunday school answer is the right answer, but it's not coming from your heart. But I could see that he meant what he said. It wasn't a Sunday school answer to him. That's his way of worshiping God. Not all of us can sing. Not all of us can play. But being here is worship. It's not in a box. It's not up on this stage. It's kneeling down. It's humbling yourself with an open heart in everything you do. You read the Bible, you're worshiping God. When you pray, you're worshiping God. When you serve others, you're worshiping God. And that's the reason we should be doing all these things. Not because we want to say, that's my ministry. Because we want to say, I do it because I want to worship This is my form of worship. And that's what Paul says right there. Put yourself behind others. Lower yourself. Let each of you look out not only for your own interests, but also the interests of others. And then where do we get the example? Look at verse 5. It says, "...let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus." who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Now what he's saying right there is, is God, Jesus had oneness with God, didn't he, Floyd? He was one with God in heaven. He was one. And he was willing to give that up. He took that oneness that he had, And said, you know what? I will go. And I will pay that price. And and, and he came in the poorest form possible. Being born in a stable. And his whole life, he humbled himself to others. But don't take my word for it. Get in the book. Find out. Do you not think when Jesus was alive, that he humbled himself all the time. He humbled himself to his disciples. He made them feel so loved and so valued and so important. Why? Because he humbled himself in front of them. He humbled himself in front of sinners. You don't think around those campfires all those times, there were so many people there that didn't know what to think of him. Who is this guy? They didn't know anything. They just had heard, he does a couple of miracles, but a lot of people hate him, a lot of people love him. I don't know what to think of him. But you know what he did? When he sat around with them, he humbled himself to them. That's that's humbleness. That's humility. And then even when he went to the cross, he humbled himself. He humbled himself to the Roman soldiers that beat him. He humbled himself into the crowd of that just a few days earlier might have been celebrating him, were spitting on him and calling him every name in the book and telling everybody to kill him. He humbled himself in front of them. He humbled himself to the soldiers that drove the nails through his hands. He humbled himself to them. Even to the point where with one of his last breaths, what did he do? Did he say, God, get me down from here? He humbled himself again by saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. That's humbleness. That's humility. That's putting other people in front of him. And he did not have to do that. But he did. Why did he do it? Because he worshipped his father. That was his way to show worship to his father. The love he had for us was nothing but worship for his father and that's what Paul's saying right here he came down and even to death on the cross he humbled himself and he did it because he wanted to worship and then in verse 9 it tells you the benefit like Floyd said you have a benefit of worship what the benefit was there was therefore God also has I highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Now he sets on the right hand of the throne of his father. In in Revelation, it says this. In Revelation chapter three, verse twenty, and it's not on the screen, so don't worry about it. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. That's the benefit of worship. Real worship. And it starts with humility, with humbleness. You know, all through the Bible in Hebrew, you know, the Hebrew and the Greek words, the translations are, believe it or not, the words that are used in Hebrew and Greek for worship mean humility. There's seven Hebrew words that mean worship that they use for for the word worship. One of them, and I hope I get this right, One of them is called Shekah. That's the Hebrew word for worship. But do you know what it means? It means this. To bow down. To kneel. To submit yourselves. See, it's kind of funny that out of the seven Hebrew words that mean worship, only one of them, has anything to do with music. The rest of them have to do with humbleness, has to do with humility. They all mean to bow down, to give yourself up. That's worship. We need to quit trying to put worship in a box. We need to quit trying to say, well, our worship is is at the beginning of our service while we do songs. That's great worship. But that's just not all of it. What you're doing now is worship. But you have to do it with a humble heart. You have to bow down. You have to kneel and give yourself over to Him. That's what He did for you. We stop and we really think about it. When He died on the cross, He was kneeling down in front of us. He was saying, your life is more important than mine. your dreams are more important than mine. And I'm going to take this pain for you. And I'm going to kneel down in front of you. And I'm going to give it all so you don't have to. But what we need to do is we need to worship Him. You know, and... In, in verse in, actually in verse 10 through 11 it kind of tells us Paul kind of almost warns us what's going to happen you know it says this in verse 10 it says that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow those in heaven those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Every knee shall bow. Now, I know you're thinking, well, I guess, you know, when I read this, I thought of a couple different things, but one thing I really thought is, this is a warning. Because whether we like it or not, whether you think you're big and bad or not, whether you think you're not worthy, whether you think your past is horrible, whether you think you don't know him right now, whether you think you'll never give your life to him, it doesn't matter because it says every knee will bow. Every knee. Not just the ones that are already in heaven, but the ones on earth and the ones under the earth. Every knee will. Will bow. Every tongue will confess. We're not exempt. It doesn't say, "Oh, you know what? Only those that uh, you know don't know Him will, will bow." It doesn't say, "Oh, you know, uh, only the the poor will bow." It doesn't say, you know, thank goodness, only the fat will bow. It doesn't say, you know, only those that, that have a theology degree, you know, they won't bow. Everybody else will bow. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say, oh, well, if you're a pastor, you don't have to bow. It doesn't say that. Every knee will bow. Every knee. So what that means is, sooner or later, whether you like it or not, you're going to bow. And you're going to kneel down in front of God. Now, I'm a gambling man. And the odds say that I want to do it now versus later. (laughs) I don't want that eastern sky to split and I've never kneeled down in front of him. I don't want that. You shouldn't want that. You should want to get a jump on the game. You should want to do it now. You really want to worship Him? Then kneel. To Him? That's what worship really is. It's coming to Him with a humble heart. Willing to give your all to Him. That's what it truly is. One of these days you're going to kneel. You're going to confess who He is. Whether you believe in Him or not. But do you really want to take that chance? That you're forced to? Or you can do it on your own. It says He knocks. He knocks on your door every minute of every day. He is knocking on your heart. Asking you to open your heart. But it starts with humility. It starts with kneeling. It's not about you. It's not about the ministries you do. about your heart. Don't go away wondering, have I ever kneeled in front of God? Have I truly ever humbled myself in front of God? Because if you asked yourself that question, the answer is probably no. You haven't. When are you? When are you going to do that? When are you going to swallow your arrogance, you swallow your pride, and say, you know what? I want to worship Him. And it begins with me on my knees. That's how it begins. And when that starts, your life does change. Maybe you'll be like Paul and you'll spend your life being ridiculed for your belief is there any better glory is there any better worship but see I can't do it for you Floyd talked about and he kind of made me mad talked about last week bringing knives and forks to give you to come in if he gives me a knife and fork you better have some food (laughs) no But he's right. God's given you the knife and fork. It's right here. This is it. This is your knife, your fork, your bowl. Maybe you're like me and you have a, I don't uh, you, some of you might remember, but you have a Jethro Bodine cereal bowl. That's me. Guys, it's right here. God's given us the tools. He gave us the way. Himself. Himself. All we have to do is humble ourselves to Him. Kneel. Just kneel down. You give yourself up to Him, your life will change. It will. It's not going to be peaches and cream. But my gosh, look at what you've got to look forward to. You're going to be sitting next to Jesus on the throne. question is easy when are you going to kneel when are you going to do it and with every eye closed and every head bowed nobody's looking around just ask yourself What's holding me back? Have I ever kneeled to God? Have I ever truly humbled myself to Him? And I'm going to ask you right now, if you haven't, wherever you are, you don't have to move, you don't have to come up here But just turn and kneel at your chairs and do it in worship. Talk to Him right now. And as you're praying to Him, do it on your knees. Give yourself to Him. If you want to come up, somebody will be here to meet you. And we'll pray together. but do not let this go away. Jesus said, no one knows the hour, the day, the time when I'm going to come back. Nobody, but the Father. Don't play with those odds. Give it to Him And see your life change. Do it all the time. And everything we do. Do it with humble hearts. Do it with humility. But kneel down. In front of Him. Just right where you are. Talk to Him. That's. Worship. Worship. Father we thank you for so much sometimes we forget how to thank you Well, we can say the words and they're all pretty Father we have a hard time kneeling down we just want you to give our hearts the strength and the courage. And we understand that to be in real worship with you, it starts with our hearts. And we want to be humble. We want to do everything with humility. But most important, we want to kneel down in front of you. Maybe it's with the troubles that we have in our lives. Maybe it's the pain. Maybe it's fear. But we want to bring it to you. And we want to lay it at your feet. And we want to bow before you. And I ask you right now, Father, if there's anybody here that's never experienced it, let them just fall to their knees. Let them open that door that you're knocking on and let you in. Father, we're going to do another form of worship. We're going to take our offering. After all, in reality, it's all yours anyway. But we're going to worship you in that. We want you to to bless it and do your work with it with us as we leave here we need to understand that worship just isn't on a Sunday morning that worship is everything we do to glorify your name that's worship and we do it out of love the love you had for us The love that you sent your son to die just so we could live. Just be with us. We give you everything we have. Our hearts, our mind, our strength, our money. It's all yours. We just need to be humble enough to give it back we give it all to you in the most high's name the lord of lords and the king of kings amen
0: thank you for listening and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You are invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Sol Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.